Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, let's get it started. There's so much ground to traverse here. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville, pound 3636. And joining us in studio, as he does most Thursdays, David Will, Senior Vice President of Media Profile. That's a leading Toronto public relations agency. How's David? David's a little worried we're not going to have anything to talk about today. So, <laughs> you know, bail me out here, guys. Well, you know, I usually do, don't I? Yeah, you can okay. make something up. <laughs> Always do. Stephen Holiday, Deputy Mayor, Councilor for Ward 3 at Tobacco Centre. Stephen, welcome. Thank you very much. Glad to see you, as always. Likewise. And Kevin Gadet, president of Breakpoint Strategy, formerly of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. How's Mr. Gadet? I'm living the dream. Thank you. Looking forward to the hockey game after we get through our budget talk. There's so much, eh? Hockey. There's the golf on the Masters. It's a confluence, a perfect storm of great sporting events. We got basketball still coming up. Holy smokes, we're spoiled. Uh, and then you got the budget. I mean, seriously, you can pour over that document tonight. <laughs> first first, <laughs> first conservative budget in 15 years. Well, is it? <laughs> That's funny. It's a very reasonable approach to balancing the budget, John. What would you be suggesting? Well, I'm, I'm just curious because we had uh, Anthony Fury in with us. Uh, the operative uh, word is Fury. <laughs> he was not impressed, you know, wondering why it's going to be a five-year timeline to balance this thing. Now... I don't know. What is your sense for it? Doug couldn't very well go after it with an axe, so he's using, I don't know, surgeon's tools and a scalpel and being very deft and deliberate here. But five years is a a while to wait to reconcile this deficit that he was a deficit slayer coming in. Yeah, nobody would call it an aggressive timeline, I don't think. Um, I ran into Kevin Page, the former parliamentary budget officer, when I was in the lockup today. He's now with the University of Ottawa Institute of Fiscal Studies and Democracy and I asked him what his take was, and he he said that he thought it would be very difficult to have an even more accelerated program, which I would argue then is bolstering before government's adage that this is a reasonable, sensible uh, approach. And I can expect we're going to see from the usual other stakeholders, the you know the Andrew Horvaths and her ilk, the the decrying the cuts and shameful outrage of not having increased spending at a large enough rate. So that probably would put proof in the pudding that it's a Goldilocks approach to doing things reasonably. All right. Uh, The other thing is, I mean, as I'm reading through here, trying to digest it on the fly, nothing really smacks me upside the head, except I got to say, licensed establishments like bars, restaurants, and golf (laughs) courses can start serving booze at nine o'clock. I went, wait a minute, hang on. I know that sounds frivolous, and uh, but it's part of this whole populist approach to things, isn't it, David Wills? I think that's exactly what it is. And it's it's the shiny objects that are that are in there that get people talking about. People don't understand about accelerated capital depreciation changes, that kind of thing. But what they understand about is like, you know, long overdue. I never wanted a beer at nine o'clock, but I'm going to have one now. Um, you know, I, I think that those things are all just, um, you know, I don't want to say pandering because they're not, but it, it's it's the ideology there of getting out of the, getting the nanny state out of the, out of the way. That's where that all comes from. The part that I do worry about those things is that uh, there are health uh, um, implications to access to alcohol, cancer rates, like there's a lot of research that that connects those things. Not that I'm saying don't do it. I think we just have to publicly educate people on it if we're going to do that, if we're going to 
uh, expand. You know, we can have a beer in the park. Great. I'm happy about that. Um, but I think people should just have those conversations and we not hide from it. Like, just like with cigarettes. We just, yeah, I was going to say, we just legalized marijuana. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know. And we're not having enough conversations about that either. Well, you are correct about that. Uh, I think we're being too cavalier and casual. Uh, the other thing I might say about the 9 a.m. opening, you know, uh, the new reality of the labor market is that, you know, people are on shift work, jobs are, you know, sure. all around the clock, and uh, maybe they coming off their work uh, don't want to just go home and hit the schlafen sack. Uh, they want to have a pint or something. So, you know, more power to them. Yeah, but, but I, you know, I start at 7.30. Now I'll knock off at 9 o'clock instead of at... Uh, just about. Uh, oh, so you're with the Postal Service. Yeah, it's boom. <laughs> <laughs> we found that in Quebec. Our mail got delivered before 11 o'clock because that's when the brasseries were open. <laughs> However, uh, a quick aside, you know, you alluded to something interesting that you were talking about depreciation on capital investments and so on. So there are no corporate tax cuts per se, but the government's saying that they're going to allow for faster write-offs on capital investments, providing Ontario businesses with $3.8 billion in corporate tax relief over six years. Uh, They're also cutting red tape, saving businesses hundreds of millions in compliance costs. And they pledged to cut the corporate tax rate to 10.5%, but that didn't come to be. Before I get to Stephen Holliday, uh, you were with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. You can't be encouraged that they didn't fulfill a campaign promise to cut the corporate tax rate, Kevin. I'm a big fan of broad-based tax relief more more generally as opposed to these types of targeted measures, to be candid. Uh, but, but the execution of this measure of the accelerated capital cost allowance was specifically designed to mirror exactly what the federal government did. So they're really just trying to augment and double, in effect, what the feds did uh, to spur the manufacturing sector in particular. All right. Let me get to Stephen Holliday now, uh, who's kind of like that guy on Jeopardy, just watching. Uh, (laughs) Let me make you a full participant. As the deputy mayor, I mean, uh, anything in this budget for the city of Toronto? I mean, and if not, uh, they didn't mention anything specific about the transit plan, but I do want to get around to that as well. For sure. I mean, that's the big piece that we heard about earlier this week in the uh, the pre-budget patter, the the leaks, the lead-ups, the, uh, the announcements. That's really big for the City of Toronto. Some of the smaller things, though, around alcohol, those are things that the city needs to think about. Looks like in this budget that we are going to have the ability to designate certain public spaces as licensed areas. Those are a red tape cutting measures for uh, festivals, for events, possibly for restaurants. You know, I really don't know how this is going to apply, but it does follow the spirit of things that we are seeing from this government trying to streamline processes and really do cut that red tape because that makes life easier for businesses. And when that happens, they flourish and they employ people. And that's why, uh, you know, um, a, uh, a, a change to taxation on uh, capital you know, is, is is like a tax cut because it does produce savings for businesses. And what you and I need to think about as Ontarians is that going to help with employment down the road. And you know, hopefully the answer is yes, and hopefully they left themselves for wiggle room for other things in the future. Uh, on this matter, though, of the um, transit announcement yesterday, where it looked on first uh, blush that John Tory was kept out of the loop, uh, what's the inside dope on that? I mean, did he feel slighted? Well, I wouldn't say slighted, but I think uh, the city has been invested two feet forward in a process of negotiation, really, with the province on trying to sort out uh, transit plans. Full kudos for me to um, Premier Ford and the government for coming up with a regional plan from somebody that's appropriate, the Premier and the, the Ontario government. Now we're talking about more than just the city of Toronto, but all the interconnections around it, and that's a good thing. The other kudos I give, of course, is for the money. 
Um, so in, in a negotiation, you have to bring money and assets to the table, and that's what you talk about. And uh, so far, they have uh, pledged $11 billion. I think that is going to make a difference. There were a number of surprises in the transit plan that a lot of us didn't know or maybe not even expect coming. An interesting thing is the connection between Ontario Place and the Ontario Science Centre. Not illogical when you think about it, but not something uh, that I had been thinking about. And to me, it signals something. Why are those two assets important to the province uh, as terminus points on a line like that? And what plans do they have in the future? And I think that's where the discussion is going to have to continue to go about, you know, what what's in store for us. Well, it's interesting because talking to the transportation minister, Jeff Urick, yesterday, I, I asked about the air rights over uh, certain establishments and these hubs and things like that. That's the real X factor that uh, may accrue to their benefit with uh, public-private partnerships uh, remains to be seen. But let me ask David Wills, because, you know, when you alluded to the fact there, uh, Stephen, that this is going to be from Ontario Place right up to the Science Centre, which, by the way, uh, will also see density in housing, certainly up by the Science Centre, that whole Thorncliff, Flemington Park, and uh, where Celestica or the IBM building was, they're going to build mega towers up there at uh, Don Mills in Eglinton. But Adam Vaughn's critique was, you know, typical, if it's coming out of Doug Ford, uh, you know, it doesn't even have to, he doesn't wait to uh, finish talking before Adam's leaping all over him, saying these are just squiggly lines on a map and uh, something that Homer Simpson would drop and so on and so forth. But isn't the point, David Wills, that it's aspirational? Is that not enough at this juncture? I mean, it's a real early first kind of uh, pass at things. Or do, do we need all the details on this matter? Well, I'm, you should sit down here, John. I'm going to agree with you about your comments on Adam Vaughn. I thought he lost his mind yesterday. <laughs> and I thought... That presupposes he had one to lose. Well, okay. That, <laughs> we still let's watch let's not Simpsons. get ahead of ourselves here, Kevin. <laughs> that tells you but a lot. The, but, you know, the, the, the part that I really liked was the, like, you know, up to the Ontario Science Centre, because if they're going to extend Line 1 up into Richmond Hill, like, getting on the subway at Young and Eglinton right now is already full. So if you're going to add more people on that way, you need to give those people who are coming over from that way another outlet. And that's a really smart idea. You know, where, you know, people are, they don't trust the Ford, uh, with Doug Ford on transit because of his history at city council. But I'm going to say, I'm going to go the opposite on this. I'm going to say, I liked what he said for two reasons. Number one, he owned it. Like Stephen talked about it being regional beyond Toronto, but he also owned it. He said, I'm going to drive this. I'm going to do it. We're going to fund it. And when he was pushed, he said, we'll even backstop it. So I think we ha- we should just get it. Like, I don't like Scarborough Subway, but I'm tired of that debate. If he's going to build it and he's going to loop it up, I'm thinking, okay, fine, let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. And I think that's what we should do. And I'm going to give the premier full marks on his transit plan. And let's just get to work on it. You know, he's he's got to own it. And he said he's going to own it. And I give him real courage for that. Well, that's why I said it's aspirational. Would you agree with that quickly here, Kevin? I would, but I want to pivot quickly to the fact that there are two major announcements in the budget that affect an awful lot of people in Toronto, across the whole province, but Toronto as well, and it's the uh, low-income seniors free dental plan and the very large child care uh, uh, rebate program that's been put in place as well, which is a very expensive, very large program, which will affect hundreds of thousands of families. All right, enough said on that, uh, but aspirational. So, uh, you know, by the way, will the city be good for the $7 billion that Doug Ford's asking? <laughs> I think that's part of the negotiation, but we do have money set aside for these transit projects, so there is a logical component. And I think there's a logical discussion about us having a share of control when we bring a bag of money to the table, uh, and we would have a seat, just like you would have in any share company. 
uh, you divide up, uh, you know, who's chipping in into the pot and uh, you respect each other for the pieces that you're putting. But there's a lot of good news in this transit plan and I won't uh, miss the fact that they want to bury the Eglinton West LRT a huge issue for us out in the West End in uh, coping with uh, with traffic, and I'm, I'm glad that uh, the province has signaled support for that. Yeah, even though they're burying it, it's where the hubs are or the stops, and they're going to dig up that. It's going to tie things up, uh, but it's yeah. you know all part of what. But it's, yeah, it's going to connect to jobs and jobs and jobs at the airport, and that was the the last piece of this. Is it confirmed that the province wants to see that LRT linked to the airport, not just stop on the city limits? Understood. Finally, very quickly, and then uh, we'll come back and discuss more topics worthy of discussion. Uh, in that matter of uh, this being a setback. As some critics have said, the $227 million in sunk costs so far, this tears that all up, and they're hitting the reset button, so that's all a lost cause. I, I don't think we know all of the facts at this point to make that judgment. Are there possibilities? But you know what? The left who want to fight the government anyways will come up with all sorts of lines to criticize it. Let's see what happens with time. All right. We'll come back in a moment. More topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville, pound 3636. It's The Oakley Show. Today, we are presenting the first budget of our government's mandate, a plan for the people. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.